Welcome back again to Scissors and Scrubs. Mm -hmm. I'm your ever-present host, Nicole. And I'm Laura. And this week, we decided to just pick something out of a hat, and uh, <laughs> we picked Munchausen's, and Munchausen's by proxy. Yes. Such a nutbag disease, like, researching this. I was it was. Of, it makes no sense. No. It's like, I literally had a hard time finding the stories, because I didn't know half of the stories. I'm like, they're faking it to get money. Right. You know, because yeah. they're all getting, you know, whatever. I'm like, they're faking it to get money. Yeah. So that being said, we'll go on to, we'll start with Munchausen, regular yes. straight up Munchausen. Just, just by its lonesome. Yes. Which I never can spell correctly. Oh my, I have it spelled 85 different ways. Yeah. I swear yep. to God. Yep. Every time you look at it, I'm like, well, no. Mm, and then I'm trying fine. to Google it and I'm hoping it autocorrects me. Okay. So Munchausen syndrome. Do you know it's named after somebody? I assumed. It is named after Baron von Munchausen. Ooh. Did you know that? No. Okay. He was an 18th century German officer known for embellishing his life stories and experiences. Ah. Now, what I find hard to believe is it took till the 18th century to find a military man who was embellishing right. his life experiences. <laughs> was putting on. We no. couldn't have gone back to Roman times and found right. a guy who was like, listen, I was on a chariot. Mm -hmm. I took out 300 by myself. The right. horse was trampled. Like, you know, come on, Ben-Hur, really? Okay. So it is... It is the most severe of the fictitious disorders. Again, had a hard time with this one, too, because in my mind, fictitious disorder means it's a made-up disorder. Right. But it's apparently a disorder that makes things up. A fictitious disorder is a mental disorder in which a person repeatedly and deliberately acts as if he or she has a physical or mental illness when, in fact, they do not. Mm -hmm. Consider a, uh, considered a mental illness because it is associated with severe emotional disorders. Mm -hmm. They may lie or fake symptoms, hurt themselves to bring on symptoms, uh, alter tests like urines, uh, sputum symptoms. What is wrong with me? I, lab tests. They yeah, you know, tests. urine mm -hmm. tests, those tests, the things you pee into cups or spit into cups. Yeah. Uh, the warning signs for somebody with Munchausen's. Dramatic but inconsistent medical history. Yeah, I already know a few of those. Yep. Unclear symptoms that are not controllable and can be like so something that the medical people can't really diagnose. Like I have back pain. Okay. Well, everything like looks, real yeah, vague. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Real vague stuff. Um, they can become more severe or change once treatment has begun. Mm -hmm. Predictable um, relapse following improvement in the condition. They have these people have extensive knowledge of hospitals mm -hmm. and or medical terms. Uh, the textbook description of an illness so they can tell you exactly what the book is telling you the illness should be studied it up because so they've they studied it yeah. up and they probably had it 52 times mm -hmm. they may have multiple surgical scars Ouch. if they get a negative test result page flip um new symptoms will show up something completely different mm -hmm. is going to show up now mm -hmm. the presence of the symptoms only when others are present Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like, you know, when my kids don't want to go to school, right. they only yeah, have a cough. Have a wicked bad yeah. Stuff. And the second bad. school starts, they're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, willingness to have tests or procedures. Like, you'll go for anything, which yeah. I think is always bizarre. History of seeking treatment at numerous hospitals, clinics, and doctors. Mm -hmm. So they shop. Yeah, they shop around to find around. somebody stupid enough to buy their shit. Mm -hmm. The reluctance of a patient to allow doctors to meet with family or friends or consult with prior doctors. Mm -hmm. And problems with, they have problems with their identity and their self-esteem. 
a lot of these you're going to find in the stories we talk about. Like as I'm writing it, I'm like, check. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Check. Exactly. Yep. Right. She did this and this and yeah. this. Okay. Factors. Some suggest that you can have a history of abuse or neglect as a child. Mm-hmm. A possible link to personality disorders. History of frequent illness that requires hospitalization. So maybe as a kid you were getting all this attention for something and mm-hmm. now you don't have it anymore. So you made some up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult to treat because the person is often unwilling to admit to the disorder and seek help. Mm-hmm. Treating Munchausen's is difficult and the outlook is poor. So trying to find a person <laughs> who did just Munchausen's, which yeah. means it's just you you're doing this with, was hard. Mm-hmm. Because again, I was trying to decipher between they're making this up to get a Make-A-Wish Foundation. They're making this up to get money. Right. So the woman I'm going to discuss did Munchausen's and Munchausen's by proxy. It, it, she's going to go between both. Mm-hmm. And they had an interview with her on TV. She is gonzo. <laughs> she is nuts. Yeah. And when you look at her in the pictures from before and then you look at her in her prison uniform, she's gone. Yeah. She's just gone. And she's... The way she talks and tells her story, she's still trying. She knows that she's guilty, but doesn't want to admit it. So right. she's like, well, that's what they say. Well, this is what I'm told. Like, I don't remember. It could be. It's mm-hmm. very vague again. She's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So most of my information comes from the Miami Herald, mm-hmm. Susan Patcher. And the woman we're discussing is Hope Yabara. Okay. Hope Yabara. Hope. She has the best name for Munchausen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's born in Houston, Texas, to teen parents. Mm-hmm. She is the oldest of four children. She claims her mother had Munchausen's because of this. Um, Hope felt ignored as a child, but her mother's like, bullshit. <laughs> and you have to remember, anything that comes out of Hope's mouth is 99.9% of the time a complete lie. Right. All right. So you can't really... I'll, you can't I'm, trust anything they're saying. Right. I'm going to quote what she says a couple of times, but you have to take it from who it's coming from. Um... Her, yeah, so her mother says, I wrote, mom says daughter is full of shit, and I believe the mom. <laughs> so the mom says, in high school, her daughter had a seizure history that is questionable. I don't know if these were real or not. Page flip. I can tell you she was diagnosed with them, but I feel pretty sure there were times she faked them. Maybe all the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When Hope was 12, the family moved to Flower Mound, Texas. <laughs> That's the name. I'm going to live in Flower Mound, Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas. You ever go to Texas? Yeah. That panhandle is something. When we went, we were at the NASA uh-huh. Space Center in Houston. You know, Houston, we have a problem. I didn't even make it to those big cities. <laughs> oh, yeah. We went to Houston because we had to go see NASA because yeah. Jack was like obsessed yeah, with that it. stuff. We're, we're leaving NASA and we're going to get this barbecue because these people told us this barbecue right oh. around the corner is delicious. We're like, okay, great. We're pulling in, and I'm like, what's going on up here? And we're in this big RV because we would go on cross country. And there was a van outside and a truck. a truck, And then there was all white sheets all over the road. Apparently, it was like a truck full of illegal immigrants that they were smuggling in the country and got in a car accident. And, and they, they were all right. shoved in the back of the truck. Oh. So they all there was all these dead bodies all over. I'm like, kids, oh, look at the back. Go, go, <laughs> look at the back. Road. Look out that way. Nothing, just some laundry. Yeah. Fell off the back of the truck. That's what I remember about Texas. Oh, my God. <laughs> the dead bodies in the street. I just, we, I've driven through the Panhandle a couple of times because I've driven cross country and different travel assignments. Mm-hmm. And I was driving with a friend of mine. It's like 2 a.m. 
Now, if you have never been to Panhandle, Texas, if maybe you've seen the ocean and you see the way the ocean and the sky meet mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be seen, that's Texas. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, maybe just big flat. a trailer yeah. or you're going to see the three crosses. There's mm-hmm. a three crosses show up everywhere. I mean, some of them will light up. You yeah. can't miss the crosses, but there is nothing else but this shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like 2 a.m. And every time I hear the outfield song, um, Josie's on a vacation, uh, yeah. this song was playing at that time. And you can see this one like streetlight. No other light to be seen for millions of miles in one street light. And there's like a dust cloud around the light. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. It was the light for a feed lot, which is where they send all the cows to get yeah. slaughtered, but they feed them first. Yeah. The dust cloud was a smell that I cannot even describe. It was oh. so bad. So we're driving, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God, was that smell? Tara, was that you? She's like, that's not me. Was it you? I'm like, I'm going to throw up in this car. This is... The most, it's like urine and feces and oh. sweat and cow and ugh. Oh. It was disgusting. You couldn't see it, but I'll tell you, you could smell it. Oh, God. That's how I take away from Texas. I'm sure Texas is beautiful. We have great memories of Texas. I, yeah, Texas yeah. is a place I'm not really jazzed about no. going back there. We'll have okay. to try it again. <laughs> so this is not bad. I grew up in Texas. Okay. Okay. So she attended Marcus High School. And then she went on to hmm, Selross State University in Alpine, Texas. I could have written that wrong. Mm-hmm. She played clarinet. I find the most random things about these stories. Very important <laughs> to her munchausen. She was a drum major in the band. That's even more important. Oh. Uh, she belonged to n- numerous clubs. And she was once named to the who's who of oh. the university. Wow. Okay. At this university that I think I have the name wrong, I'm going to still call it Sewell Ross, she met her husband and got pregnant with her first son in 1996. Okay. They don't marry till December of 98 when she graduates with a degree in chemistry. Mm-hmm. Lived in sin. Sinner. She disappears on Tuesdays and Thursdays on those nights telling her family and friends she's going for her doctorate at Texas Christian University. Mm. Her husband is surprised when she gets her doctorate now, she only has her bachelor's in chemistry, but within a year, she has bypassed master's and God she has her doctorate. Wow, she really pulled a lot of she things, especially just for two days a week. So fucking smart, yeah. kid. She's smart. She's wicked smart. So she gets her doctorate after one year. And the husband's just, wow, that's strange. Now, this is an educated man, her mm-hmm. husband, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this multiple times throughout mm-hmm. this, okay? Mm-hmm. When she said she graduated, mom was so proud that she went out and she bought her TCU sweatshirt, Texas Christian University mm-hmm. sweatshirt. Um, and Hope puts her PhD on everything. Hope you borrow a doctor on her emails, on her, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So 2001, after the alleged doctorate, mm-hmm. the spiral begins. On September of 2001, she tells her family she has bone cancer. Bone cancer? Bone cancer. Okay. Ewing's sarcoma. Oh, She's yes. very specific. She picked a good about one. Ewing's sarcoma. Yeah. Page flip. While going through treatments, she tells everyone she's pregnant with twins. Oh, okay. Her husband believes she's pregnant, but he's a little shocked because they never have sex. Hmm. Mm. Again, he's an educated man. So did okay. he think it was a... Um... She must be sitting on something pretty good because she's gotten him buying a doctorate after a year, and now she's got Ewing's and... carcinoma and got pregnant with twins while she's on chemo. And they don't have sex. And they don't have sex often, no. If you looked at her. So um, she wears maternity clothes. She picks out the names Alexandria and Alexis. The husband plans to meet her at an OB appointment, but she's like, no, no, no. I already had it done. You don't need to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and supposedly when she's five months along with the um, 
pregnant. She miscarries due to the cut, the chemo. Well, now I've had two miscarriages, mm -hmm. and I can tell you I never did this. She held a twenty-five hundred dollar funeral for these children that she had. She buys an urn, and she has a six-foot concrete angel in the backyard for these twin babies. Six. That's big. Foot. That's big. Concrete angel for the babies mm -hmm. in the backyard. Mm -hmm. She then later has a huge tattoo of angel wings on her back. That's my favorite tattoo on yeah. women. I just, I love the angel wings. They're just so pretty. <laughs> and she has five little, um, what does she do? Five little red stars. Uh -huh. Her three living children and the two miscarried babies. Okay. Okay. After her imprisonment, she confirms she never had, was pregnant with twins. I'm sure the six-foot concrete angel stole in the back, because oh. what are you fucking going to do I with mean, it now? No one wants that. But yeah. Okay. So Hope claims no one would ever take her for her chemo treatments, but her mom said, I would ask her, and she would always have the same two answers. I need you to watch the kids, or um, if the kids were at the sitter, she would say, I really need you when I'm sick, because she didn't mm -hmm. want anybody knowing, and she really wasn't having chemo mm -hmm. treatments. Okay. Um, I need to mention that after her second child was born, Hope told everyone that the kid had cerebral palsy. Oh, and for over a year, the child was in leg braces. And even though the child could walk fine without them, again, the husband thinks it's strange. The kid walks fine without the braces, but, you know, he doesn't question it. Okay. So when she has her third child, the daughter that had the CP, it stops. Miraculously, the kid is cured from cerebral wow. palsy. Which I maybe know we'll that do an, Yeah, it's not. Mm -hmm. And we'll do another episode because it's brain damage yeah. and you don't cure you this type of brain that. damage. No. Apparently, she didn't research enough. No. So in 2002, she tells her family that the cancer has spread to her lungs and brain and she lost her hearing because of it. She blogs on websites about her cancer and her trials. Now, when you watch her interview, mm -hmm. sometimes she talks like a deaf person talks, you know, what they, they can't really pronounce because yeah. they can't hear. Sometimes she talks perfectly fine. And I'm, I'm not If you already to know how to speak. Jerk, if, you can, if you were already speaking for 30-something years, you're not going to really talk like that. Right. 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 You do that okay. because you haven't heard the sounds. Like you're, you were born, right. from, born deaf, so... She talks like a deaf person, which I won't mimic because it's awful. No. Okay. So, but miraculously in 2003, she's cancer-free and is involved in a medical trial that gives her a cochlear implant for her hearing loss. Free. Are you? I'm sorry. This Did they not point. test your hearing? I mean, there's like tests. But how do you test it if she's just saying, I don't hear it? I don't hear she's it. She's like going to be flinching or something with that. They don't. Nope. She's got a cochlear implant. I mean, you would think they would be imaging. And I mean... I can't, I can't even I can't even tell you because wow. she gets and she gets it for free. She also announces she's pregnant with her third child. Okay. Okay. March 2004, her third child, a daughter, is born 10 weeks early, weighing two pounds and two ounces. Oof. Hope was in charge of all the medical appointments and didn't want her husband to go with her. Before her daughter is a year old, she has a feeding tube because, according to Hope, she had that put in because she had a swallowing dysfunction. Mm -hmm. They put that in because she was aspirating her milk. They watched her drinking, and she would choke. I don't know how you would... Put, I don't know what she did, mm -hmm. but there's... I don't know how she got that past the doctors, because a feeding tube is a big step. Yeah. But she gets that past the doctors. So, um, 
At the same time, she's given a series of sweat tests to determine if she has CF. So a sweat test is they put like these swabs on your skin and your kid sweats through them and then they they can test by the salts and the amino acids and the sweat test whether your kid has um, cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. Cystic fibrosis, if you don't know, is that lung disease. Um, It has to do with the lack of amino acids you produce and you get all these really thick secretions in your lungs. Mm -hmm. It's a deadly disease. They wind up having like lung transplants at you know, 15. So the first test comes back borderline. The second test, the sodium level is so far off the charts that it was considered inconclusive. And later on when they interviewed the lab tech, she's like, the the numbers just kept going and going. It couldn't stop because the sodium was was so high. Um, And the lab tech said it was the only time in her career that she had ever seen the test do that. I can't imagine why. Um, And then the third and fourth tests come back positive. So in April of 2005, the baby gets a portacath. And on May 7th, she has her first anemic episode. So she gets this portacath, and like a month later, she comes in. She's down a liter of blood. This kid's like on death's door, bleeding to death. And then she would, um, the blood levels were normal. Within a week, they get the blood normals back. She'd come back a week later. She'd be down a liter of blood. Now, did they give her a portacath just like infusions for the CF? I don't know why yeah. they didn't really, and probably yeah. I don't. I'm not really sure why, but they she had, and yeah. I saw the pictures. Like this little thing's got this little portacath. A portacath is, which they were calling it a central line, and I guess technically it is, but it's like if you've ever had cancer or you need multiple, you're constantly blood, needing injections. Are they put a little or... port under your skin? It looks like a little bubble, and they can use that to um, get what they need. But even the port, when you are taking from it, it can. Um, Hurt. So, the DOS, now she's coming in for these multiple anemic episodes, mm-hmm. and the doctor's like, What is going on? She's like, I have no idea what's going on. I can't even imagine. How did she lose a liter right. of blood? So, due to anemia, the baby's given an iron dextrin infusion, which causes her to have an anaphylactic reaction. <gasps> this poor kid is going through a yeah. goddamn ringer. So, summer 2005, guess what? Hope's cancer comes back. Of course, it's it in is. her brain. In it's her a brain. brain. Yep. Oh, she re- relocates for eight months to Alabama for a clinical trial, and she comes back cancer-free. Wow. Isn't she? In Alabama. In Alabama. Good mm-hmm. to know. If I get mm-hmm. brain cancer, to go to Alabama. So her cancer returns. Um, at some point, the family is given a trip to Disney by the Make-A-Wish Foundation because it's so brutal for her. Well, I mean, she's had cancer. bone and brain and cancer. And her daughter is so sick. She has... CF, her other daughter, had CP, cerebral palsy. And they like, have a six-foot concrete angel in the back for the I miscarriages. Mean, come on. This girl's been through so much. She deserves it. So Hope and her daughter are featured in Dallas Morning News article on CF Week, on wow. Cystic Fibrosis Week. Her daughter is in a Cystic Fibrosis poster. After um, this, the money and the cards come rolling in. Oh, yeah. A for- former employee donates up to $18,000 mm-hmm. to them. And another family... Um, the Christmas is taken care of. The dinner, the gifts, the Christmas is provided yeah. by this donor. And I love that people, I mean, I, people can be so generous, yes. which is why I want to smash them in the face when they've taken advantage of it. Because yeah. there is truly people out there who are having a high right. time. Who, need, who could have used that. Numb nuts with yeah. her bullshit. All right. October 2007. She has, all right, so she works. Mm-hmm. She has a job as a doctor of chemistry at a lab. Mm-hmm. 
the lab deals with all kinds of pathogens, which are um, things that make you sick. She has a couple of unauthorized purchases of pathogens from her job. Okay. All right. Um, and it will get back to the job shortly. Spring of 2008, her cancer returns to her brain again. Oh and this goodness. time, it's, it's incurable. Terrible. It's incurable. She orders her casket. It's oh. pink and white with velvet lining. What? She buys five burial plots for she and her family overlooking the river. Because they can see it from mm-hmm. the plot? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. I like the pink and white casket. I've never even heard of such a thing. What are you, fucking five? Pink and white casket? She has a terrible taste. I mean, that's... The six... You know what? With the velvet lining? If what I've already velvet lining for? The... Mo- <laughs> what are you... Rubbing it? Why? Why? You'll, you won't know. So she's sucking her thumb. You can rub it till she goes... I don't know. And if I already bought the six-foot fucking angel in the backyard, burn me and put me around the bottom of it. All right? I'm yeah. not paying for the casket, too. Velvet, pink, and white. She's like a three-year-old. All right. Total side note. Uh-huh. I'm watching the British Baking Show. Yes, I love that show. All right. Do you remember the season with the girl who... I can say it because it's not like she's not on national television. Kim Joy. And she was like a yes, grown woman who was like a three-year-old. Lady. I yeah. don't trust any woman no. who is a grown-ass woman no. with a period and boobs yeah. who acts like she's five. Yeah. It was... <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, if she puts one more goddamn man up on the cake, I'm going to smash yeah, her face. it was bad. I, I always think they must have had some trauma in their life. Somewhere. There is... And she has to work. It's yes. not like she's just weird because she's weird. She has to work at being yeah. weird. She works at those stupid facial expressions she makes. <gasps> I can't. I can't. I, I, I hate her so I much. Can't. And she's not kicked off yet. And I'm losing my shit. Yeah. So watch that season. I think it's like season six or seven. Kim Joy. I could. I don't like you, Kim Joy. I like a grown ass woman. All right. Thank you. You could have the velvet pink and white casket. It would have cats. It would it. have cats all over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cats are little squirrels because she loves her squirrels. Yeah. I can't. Okay. So summer of 2008. <laughs> People at her job start thinking something's bizarre with mm-hmm. her. Uh, the company's president, Mark Tengler, asks her some scientific questions that she had no answers for them. Okay. Uh, his girlfriend says, like, hey, what did you do your thesis on? Now, if anybody's gotten the doctorate, the thesis is like a two to five year progress. Like, it's right. It's not like a little paper that yeah. you wouldn't So something you're going to forget. Mm-hmm. She, um, she evades it. She dodges it. As they like to say on the, the British Baking Show, it's dodgy. She's dodgy, dodgy in it. Dodgy. So, um, Tengler goes to HR and asks for her file, and there are two resumes in her file, both with conflicting dates on her doctorate and conflicting what field the doctorate's in. When her supervisor comes back from vacation a day early, he notices in the fridge two Petri dishes with pathogens on them that the company no longer uses. Mm -hmm. The next day, they're gone, but on videotape, you can see her going in and and taking them out. Um... When she's questioned, she said she had to send them to a lab in California. These are two of the things I tell my children on a daily basis. Don't lie, because when you lie, you start to tell more lies, and, and then you can't, you can't keep, keep up your with what lies you're told. straight. Yep. And I can't remember the other one that I was just thinking Because it sucks. Liars are assholes. That's why. Mm-hmm. I hate oh, lying. Oh, and there's cameras everywhere. Yeah. There's literally cameras yeah. everywhere. Don't Especially lie, now. there's cameras everywhere. Especially now. Yeah. How about that guy in Rhode Island? Was it Rhode Island, Connecticut, that killed his wife? They've got the whole oh, yeah. crime on tape. The, they have them driving between. by every single yeah. door on the Ring way. Ring doorbells yeah. and street cameras. Yeah. they got the whole thing on yeah. tape. Except they still can't find out where I, she is. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, dude, well, now he's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, we're really digressing here. <laughs> All right. And two employees that she kind of has like a little tiff with, 
they both get violently ill when their water bottles that they had left on their desk, they drank out of them and they get like violently ill, like Mm. with some random diseases. She's like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. So um, the bottles are tested and both are positive for the pathogens that she had ordered. So Um, she gets fired in November 2008. So now because she doesn't have a job, they're facing eviction, mm-hmm. which the husband's shocked about. Well, he's um, shocked all the time. Right. They have a terminally ill golf tournament and a concert help to help her family. Um, the local TV interviews her, and you can see her laying in the bed because she's so sick. They raise more than $100,000 between the golf tournament and everything. And her husband's just like, what? We don't need this oh money. God. We have plenty of money. Still has no freaking clue. April of 2009, she's given last rites. Okay. How did she fake this? I don't know how she thought she was going to die because she's given last rites. Okay. And her mom is seeing a grief counselor and they set up hospice and they move the family into the mother's home so she can help take care of everybody. Okay. Well, she just, she lays in bed and she's got like a little stuffed animal with her because she's like a three-year-old. Okay. Wow. Then, Mm -hmm. out of the blue, one of Hope's doctors contacts her mother, Susan. He can't find her medical records or any prior cancers and asks if he could help her by giving him the names of the doctors that treated uh-huh. her before. And the mom's like, here it goes. Mm-hmm. So she starts looking for prescription bottles. She can't find any. She <sighs> asks the husband to check for insurance for payments. No payments. Um, there is no cancer scans, no CAT scans, no x-rays, no doctors, no appointments, oh no MRIs, God. no prescriptions. Not a nilch, zero, zilp, nothing. So she confronts Hope, who admits she doesn't have cancer. She's like, I don't have cancer. And she says it's the only time anyone has paid attention to her and her, her husband's paid attention to her. Maybe if you were having sex with him, mm. he would have paid more attention to you. I'm all right. I know that was so awful to say, but I mean, I'm sure there were women who can't have sex with their husbands, but I'm going to tell you, if you're not having sex with your husband, 63 days, you're going to have a problem. All right. Now, Susan immediately thinks the granddaughter's diagnosis is a fake, too. So she tells her son-in-law to have the daughter be tested. He tells her, mind your own business. Because now, at this point, the mother has also kicked everybody out of the house because she's pissed. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the pediatrician, and she tells her about her daughter's Munchausen's, and he gets Child Protective Services involved. Okay. At the insistence of the daughter of Children Family Services, the daughter's brought in to be retested for CF. And initially hope is told she cannot be in the room with her but she talks her way into the room it's unbelievable it's it's unbelievable so the first test comes back negative and that's the one hope's not in the room second test the nurse comes in and sees her messing with the swab Mm -hmm. and she's like what are you doing um and she's like oh i was just fixing the band just fixing it second third and fourth tests all negative for cf at this point the husband finally click Mm -hmm. finally realizes as i wrote his wife is fucked in the head Mm -hmm. Uh, so the kids immediately removed from her care. April of 12th of 2009, the DA starts an investigation. Husband's, husband and child move into a home in Saginaw, Texas. That's even a better name. And immediately, the daughter's getting better. Immediately, the daughter's getting mm-hmm. better. She eats normally. She's taken off all her medications. She's gaining weight. The port feeding tubes are removed. Uh, May of 2009, the hope uh, in her family prior to this I said she was with the mom. The mom kicked everybody out. So that put a lot of tension between her and the uh, husband and everything. Mm-hmm. So the mother is cleaning out the room they were staying in. Mm-hmm. 
and she finds inside a storage bin in the guest room three petri dishes. Page turn. Of pathogens. FBI collects them and is determined four of these we use to make her daughter sick. Oh my so God. she would put them in the sputum. Well, she claims that she wouldn't actually give them to her daughter. She would put them in the sputum. For the tests. They know she was actually injecting her daughter mm-hmm. with these. They go through 5,000 pages of her daughter's medical records and confirm this. Hope denies everything, putting them in her daughter. She denies putting them in the daughter. She only admits to putting them in the sputum cup. And at one time, they scope her daughter's lungs and find salmonella in the lungs. Oh, God. You don't get salmonella no. in the lungs. No. It's not in your colon. You don't have it. Right. Salmonella in the lungs. That's awful. You'd have to inhale a chicken breast. I know. What? Raw. Yeah. To have salmonella of the lung. And that would really hurt. That, I mean, you'd probably die before. Yeah. Yeah. So. You'd asphyxiate before yeah. you'd actually develop salmonella. Okay. While working on an arrest warrant for Hope, the DA is told, Hope's in the hospital. Oh, gosh, yes. Her seizure disorder's back. Oh, gosh. Doctors say she has a brain injury from a diabetic coma, and she may never function normally again. Oh. Again, how do they not know? Yeah. The DA knows she's faking, and he tells the social worker at the hospital her story, and he says, look at quote, if there's some miracle recovery, can you give me a call? Mm-hmm. Two days later. Wow. Miracle, sweet Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> She's sitting up. She's talking. The doctors are calling it a miracle. Mm. She gets sent to rehab for a month and is arrested on the day she's released. Oh, good. <laughs> in 2012, she and her husband finally divorce. Oh, the husband keeps the kids away from her. It's too painful for them to remember what mom has done to them. And, you know, she tried to kill them all, so yes. probably keep them away. Yes. Yeah. She's insane. Mm-hmm. Though she doesn't remember any of this. No. And during her interview for this article, she talk- I told you she talks like a deaf person. She even uses sign language at one point. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? She carries a yellow card in her prison suit that tells everybody she's deaf. Mm -hmm. She's still pretending she's deaf. Uh Okay. As she's interviewed, she starts talking normal until asked if she's pretending, and then all of a sudden she's miraculously deaf again. (laughs) So she agreed to a 10-year sentence as fought like she pleaded guilty 10 years. So she's out of prison now. God knows what scam she's pulling yeah. now. Oh, yeah, something. But the whole, like, you have to see her talk. I'm like, the deaf person, like, she is nuts. She's oh, nuts. So that's Hope Yobara, Munchausen's wow. Munchausen by proxy, taking it over to you to finish the Munchausen's by proxy. Well, that was quite the story. So I only did, you know, Munchausen's by mm-hmm. proxy. Um, and you... Touched on most of this. I got this information from clevelandclinic.org. Um, but th- it's called now factitious disorder imposed on another instead of Munchausen by proxy. Um, and like you said, it's a mental illness. And But this one is a person. Um, it's a mental illness in which a person. <laughs> is, you should see <laughs> what glasses, I Laura, No, it's like it? the way I wrote. <laughs> it's a mental illness in which a person who's caring for somebody acts as if the person they're caring for someone is sick. Okay. So they take, so say me. Yep. I have my child and I'm acting like they're sick. I'm not sick. I don't act like I'm sick, but my kid's really, really sick. They're Um, putting it on somebody else. Yes. They um, usually do this to children, especially young children, you know, because they can't tell you, no, she's giving me meds, you know, like they're little. Um, But it, has been done to adult victims, especially if they're disabled or elderly, because... They can't speak for themselves. Oh, they're confused. Or, oh, they can't speak for themselves. Um, people with FDIA, 
on Munchausen's by proxy, um, have a need for the person they are caring for to seem as if they're ill. They do not do it for a concrete benefit such as money. So they're not driven by money. Right. They just... They want the attention. They want the attention. Um, They're willing to have their victims go through operations, painful tests, um, in order to get sympathy and attention. So the more... Oh, my, you know, oh, my son, he, he can't eat. So he has to go for scopes and he has to be put to sleep and he has to have a stomach surgery. So they're surgery. even more fucked because they're doing this to somebody right, else. They're not they letting love. themselves be hurt. Right. They're, they're doing just this to letting someone else, else be hurt. Um, factitious disorders are considered mental disorders because they are associated with severe emotional difficulties, like you had said. Um, FDIA most often occurs in mothers, but it can occur in fathers. They use the many hospitalizations as a way to earn praise for being an attentive parent and their devotion for their child's health. <laughs> I've never had that praise. <laughs> no. So they're constantly, you know, like, oh, I have to bring him back to the yeah. doctor. I'm such a good mom. I'm staying no, at the oh, hospital again. Or, oh, you, you poor know. thing. Yep. You're there all the time. I have, this takes over my whole life. Mm-hmm. I can't work because i got to take him to the doctors and give right. him his meds and do all this. Um, they often use a sick child to form relationships with hospital staff. They don't leave the bedside. They discuss in detail the kid's symptoms and the care that needs to be provided. Like, they're telling the nurse, oh, no, this is what's wrong with her, and this is what you need to do. They I know. think that's your number one red flag. Yeah, they know all. Um, and they're doing it to show that I'm a good kid. I know what's wrong with them. Right. I'm going to tell you how to do it because I'm so attentive and I'm so I'm good wonderful. at being yeah. a mom. Um, if the symptoms go away in the hospital, they often return when the caretaker is alone with them. So, you know, the kid can be in the bed. Oh, they suddenly don't have a fever. Their lab valves you find, blah, blah, blah. Then they leave for a couple hours. They come back, and the mom's been in there. Kid's sick again. Um, People with FDIA can create or exaggerate the child's symptoms um, by straight-out lying. They can alter medical records. They alter diagnostic tests, like contaminate a urine sample or something. Um, or they induce symptoms by poisoning them, suffocating them, starving oh. them, and causing infections in them. Um, they can also say the child has psychiatric or behavioral problems, which are harder to diagnose. Right, because they're, well, at home, they're doing this. It's at all subjective. At home, they're doing that, you know, so yeah. they, they kind you know, good doctors probably go have a harder time saying, oh, I don't think so, like... Because, yeah, kids sometimes are worse at home or he might be right. okay in the office or whatever. Um, estimates suggest 1,000 of 2.5 million cases of child abuse reported annually are related to FDIA. But it's hard to know since many cases go undetected. So at least 1,000 of the 2.5 million right. cases of child because abuse. Because many cases aren't getting detected. Right, because they're just still buying oh, that this kid's God. sick or whatever. Um they don't know what causes FDIA, but the thought is that a history of abuse or child neglect or the loss of a parent early in life are big factors for the for people getting FDIA. Um, some evidence shows major stress, um, like a marital problem or a mm-hmm. you know, you're suddenly divorced and then you know your life's turned upside down, that can trigger the FDIA to start. I find those stresses trigger, like, hoarding. They trigger a lot of stuff. Yeah, they trigger a lot of mental issues. Yeah. Big stress. All of a sudden, like, they come out in the weirdest ways. Um, Common characteristics of FDIA, often um, the person is a parent, usually a mother, um, but it can be a spouse, a caretaker, anybody that has somebody in their care that can't speak up. Um, They might be a healthcare professional. Every time you watch a nurse as a kill, this is what it is. Yeah. 
you know, we it's killed the, the attention. It's the, I, I was the best nurse. Mm-hmm. I was on the code first. I fixed it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very friendly and they're very cooperative with healthcare providers. They want them to like them because if yeah. you like them, you're going to buy their story more. Um, they appear very concerned or even overly concerned about the situation. Um, they might also suffer, suffer from fictitious disorder imposed on self or just plain old Munchausen's. Um, Straight up on yeah. the rocks, Munchausen's. Warning signs of FDIA in kids. Um, how you would, how you could pick it up by looking at the kid is the child has a history of many hospitalizations with a strange set of symptoms. Worsening of symptoms is reported by caregivers but not seen by the staff. The child's reported condition and symptoms do not line up with the test results. Like they tell you of this all, but all the tests are coming back fine. Um, and they might be more than one unusual illness or death of children in the family. So like your lady had, you know, one had cerebral yeah. palsy, one had cystic fibrosis. There was a female serial killer who killed like all of her children. She kept having kids and killing them because mm-hmm. of the attention she was getting every time a death happened. Yeah. Until eventually they realized you don't kill like ten of your kids aren't gonna die like this. No. Yeah. yeah. All right. Nick. Um another um warning sign is if a child's condition improves in the hospital but recurs when they go home. Um blood and lab sub- samples does not match the blood of the child. Um and signs of chemicals in the child's blood, stool or urine are also warning signs. Because they're probably being poisoned. Yeah. Um, diagnosing FDIA is hard because of all the lying involved. Doctors have to rule any possible physical illness as the cause of the child's illness before they can consider FDIA. They obviously have to make sure right, you know, this child's being really treated is, correctly. Yeah. Um, if a physical cause for the symptoms cannot be found, a thorough review of the child's family's and mother's medical history needs to be done. Um, and you have to remember that it's the adult that is diagnosed with FDIA, not the kid. The right. kid does not have the Kid's problem. Kid's innocent victim of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, since the review of all these records is so tedious and time consuming, it's often not done. And that's oh. why these cases are missed. Cause that would be like, you know, cause yeah. they go to all different doctors and they've gone to all different right. hospitals. And you and, have to compile right. all that info. Um, the st- first step in treatment for FDIA is to remove the victim from the, the home parents care. Um, Managing a case of FDIA includes a team of social workers, foster care organizations, law enforcement, and healthcare providers. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Successful treatment is difficult because these people usually deny that there is right. a problem. I didn't do that. I never poisoned right. her. She was really sick. Um, also, you have to catch them in the act. And they are accomplished liars. And they, um, and they are accomplished liars. And they begin having a hard time telling fact from fiction. And they've been, these people have been manipulating all their, their lives. Whole lives. That's what they're born it's to do. It's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, if the person's found to have FDIA, they can have psychotherapy that focuses on changing the thinking and behavior of the person. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. The goal of the therapy for FDIA is to help the person identify the thoughts that are causing the behavior and to form relationships not based on being ill. Um, there are long and short term. I want you to form a relationship yeah. and none of us can be sick. Yeah. We're not Just playing doctor. No one's We're sick. not playing yeah. nurse. Yeah. Everybody's going to be well in this relationship. Um, there are long and short term complications associated with FDIA, um, like continued abuse, multiple hospitalizations, and death of the victim. Oof. Death rate of victims of FDIA is 10%. That's pretty high. Yeah. That's pretty high. Sometimes a child victim will associate getting attention with being sick. And they'll develop Munchausen because look at all that attention I got yeah. when I was Everybody sick all my life. Yeah. Um, 
Um, FDIA is considered a form of child abuse and is a criminal offense. Even wah, though it's wah, a wah. Uh, mental... Yeah. yeah, well, you've hurt somebody now. Right. Um, there's no known way to prevent FDIA, but it would probably be helpful to begin treatment as soon as symptoms arise. So if you notice, like, my kid's sick all the time. It's weird. It suddenly happens. Like, right. try to get him. Don't be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You know, try to <laughs> be uh, cognizant. Um, and just get the kid out of the care as soon as you can. Right. So I have two ladies. Oh, one is like very convoluted. <laughs> I think I might just do one. Did I just do one? And then did you do the famous one that's on TV? No, because you know why? Because I was like, everybody knows this story. Right. The gypsy story. Yeah. That's a crazy ass story. It is crazy. But I was like, crazy. Literally everyone's heard this. So I did. And, like, I just find her so odd. I, She's odd. The mother was it odd. It makes me so uncomfortable. I would have killed them both. Yeah. And been happy. It makes me so uncomfortable. Okay. I'm going to do Lacey Spears. We'll just do Lacey Spears. Okay. I got this information. Related to Brittany? No. But I kept thinking it in my head. Um, <laughs> I got this information from CBS News. I was really hoping she was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Lacey grew up in Decatur, Alabama. Decatur. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, her parents had chronic... Alabama seems to be a hub of Munchausen's. Well, the other lady lived in Texas for a while. All right. We seem to have a pattern here. Um, growing up, Lacey's parents had chronic illnesses themselves, but they truly had chronic illnesses. Um, but she was seeing what they were getting. She probably saw the attention and felt that she didn't get attention because because her parents were always sick. So they couldn't really give her that much attention. She's very fond of her American Girl dolls, to the point <laughs> of which she choked out a friend that picked up one of her dolls. Oh, whoa. Beep, beep. Yeah. Back up. She choked out her friend uh-huh. for touching her doll? Yeah, they were seven years old. Jesus Christ. The friend came over. That's a hardcore seven-year-old. Yeah. The mother of the friend said she had never let her over this house before because she, they're weird. she just got a weird feeling. Yeah. And she's like, okay, yeah, fine, you can go over. She goes to pick her up and she has like hand marks around her neck. And she's like, what, what happened? What's going on? And she's like, well, I picked up her doll and she choked me <clears throat> so, because she didn't want me to touch the doll. And so the mother was like, you know, beside herself. You're never she going was, to the home again. Yeah, she's yeah. screaming at like Lacey's mother, like, she's never coming back here. Your daughter just strangled her. Whatever. So she had a little problem. So Lacey's had issues for years. Yeah. Okay. Um, Choked her out over the yeah. American girl. Was it the bitty baby? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or was it Kit? I was thinking Molly, but that was mine. Um, she made another friend soon after, though, and she spent most of her time at this friend's house. Um, one day, she goes over. Maybe the friend had a thicker neck and could handle the choke Right. She, could, yeah. she was a little stronger. Um, <laughs> so she goes over there one day. She goes over, like, every day. She gets over there. She knocks on the door, and she asks for the mother to come out of the house. And Lacey is, like, disheveled. She's crying. How She's old is she at this point? Do we know? Middle school. Okay. Um, she wants the mother to come out. So then Lacey tells her friend's mom that she was being molested by a family member at home. Oh, that's a real drastic step. Yeah. The mom was like, oh my God, that's awful. I'm going to call the police. We're going to get this straightened. You know, like you don't have to go back there, blah, blah, blah. And Lacey's like, oh, okay. And walks in the house and just starts playing with the friend, you know, like just, oh, okay, that's great. And the the mother of the friend thought, like, that was That's a weird a bizarre. reaction. I mean, you were yeah. really upset. And if this is truly happening, you're obviously you're not gonna upset. Get over it that quick. Like, that was really fast. Like, but they're young kids, and maybe yeah. she just has to cut. Um, Compartmentalize. Yes, thank you. Um, so she was like, it was weird, but 
Yeah. She was like, maybe it's just how kids well, deal with Well, maybe she knows the husband of Yabara, where they just were like, oh, yeah. she had a doctorate in a year, but whatever. Yeah. Six foot statue, whatever. Um, So the lady does call DCF and the police mm-hmm. or whatever. They investigate um, in that the DCF or the police or whoever let Lacey stay at this friend's house for like the couple weeks it took to investigate. Oh, big mistake. Mm-hmm. Now she's going to do it all the time. No evidence of molestation was ever found. Um, Lacey goes back home because nothing mm-hmm. was happening at home. Um, after that, though, Lacey's parents just let her stay at the friend's house for like weeks on end. I don't know if it was because, okay, you said this about us. They don't want to deal with her. They don't want if we don't let you go, are you going to say it again? Right. Like, I right. don't, or was it. She's got them by the balls. They just, right. I don't know what the reasoning was because you would think, well, I should probably get her in therapy if she's saying right. this stuff. Because she's insane. Maybe they were so. She might s- choke me out. Right. <laughs> Maybe they were so sick they couldn't. Right. Deal with it. I don't know. But so she's but they're done. Constantly her at, off now. She's constantly at this girl's house. She sleeps over there for literally weeks at a time. Um, she, and then she starts calling the other mother, mom. Oh, yeah, that's that to your heart. So the friend's mom found that a little odd. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at fourteen, she joins a church, a local church. A neighbor said, "Oh, you should join this maybe because she's mm. has all these troubles." Deep South, one mm-hmm. of those three crosses jumped out and bit her. Yeah, she um. Goes to mass. She goes to group outing. She plays sports for the church. Um, and there was like a team mom, you know, that would help with everything. Mm-hmm. And she would give Lacey rides to and from the events because her parents were sick and worked and whatever. Um, and she said Lacey was always telling her these like far-fetched stories. And she wasn't having it. And she would just redirect her. Like if she started telling you, oh, yeah, I got abducted by aliens, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. She'd be like, well, how was soccer today? Like she wouldn't right. She wasn't bite. buying it. At all. I like this mom already. Yeah. Um, she said they Ain't were nobody like, get time for that. Yeah. She said the stories reminded her of like lifetime movies. Like they were that <laughs> far fetched. Here comes Valerie Bertinelli and yeah. <laughs> Nancy Joe. <laughs> um Lacey also started calling this lady mom. Come on, Lacey, mm. get a grip. Yeah. Um, but this lady literally didn't bite at anything. She just yeah. kept it cool. And so Lacey gave up telling her and she would just start telling her friends all of her crazy stories. So then at the end of middle school, I think she's 14, um, she tells everybody that she's pregnant. Lacey's pregnant. Mm-hmm. She tells this... One of the aliens? Yeah. This team mom that she's pregnant also. And she tells her, go speak to somebody at the church. Figure out what you should do. You know, you're 14. Right. I don't know. Then Lacey told this mom and her friends that she had gone and gotten an abortion at a local hospital. At 14 with no parental supervision. Uh. But they knew she was lying because the hospital she said she went to Doesn't does do not it. even perform abortions. And then they called her out on it. They're like, they don't do that there. So you, what do you mean? You, you couldn't have gotten that done. Oh, I went somewhere else. So then she says, oh, I went to another town that was like far away. They couldn't just drive yeah. and see if they had mm-hmm. abortions there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they couldn't really call her bluff on it. She starts babysitting while she's a member of this church this at like the babysitting club. Already making me sweat. Yeah. Um, you know, the church has like a little babysitting mm-hmm. club. She babysits there. One mom goes to pick up her kid, and they're like, oh, where is he? You know, you they realize right. Lacey has the kid. She's walking around outside with the kid. It's like, okay, you, gotta, you can't take them out. Right. And you got to come back in. And right. she's like, the mother was obviously upset. And she was like, oh, um, I never I never would have hurt that baby. They didn't ask her. Right. They just what said, why are you doing? Outside? Like, yeah. you know, they just said, oh, you can't. And 
I think if you were being like an innocent kid, a 14 year old, yeah. 15, you'd be like, Oh my God, I just took him out for a walk because he was being fussy. You right. know what I mean? Like you would right. just, Oh, I never meant, I would never have hurt him. Well, no one asked you if you were going to hurt him. Yeah, weirdo. So that mother never left the baby there again. No. If Lacey was granted. working. Um, she graduates from high school. She begins working at a daycare. Oh, yes. She becomes friends with one of the moms that brings her child's children to these, this daycare. Um, and she's like, let me watch them outside of daycare. You go out with your husband or you go out with your boy. You know, whatever you're going to do, go out with your friends. I'll watch them. It's fine. I love them. And this mother says her kids loved Lacey as much as Lacey loved. Like, they loved to be with her. Um, She watches them for a couple of years. But then this mom, her name is Shauna. She starts to feel like Lacey's getting real clingy. She's getting in a relationship. Like, she's like, I have to draw a line somewhere. So she backed off from seeing her as much. Then Lacey meets another woman named Christy and her son Cameron at the junior college. She starts attending to go to nursing school. Oh, here we yeah. go. Here we nurses a kill. She again offers to take um, Christy's baby Cameron all the time. And Christy was like a, she had had him as a, like a late yeah. teenager or whatever. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. like, you know what? It was great. Like I had this girl who would babysit for me and I knew her. So I felt like I could trust her. And like, so it was nice because I could go out like I wasn't able to when, when I, I had him. him. Yeah. Um, and Lacey's like, no, really, let me, you know, let me take him. I already have a crib and diapers and all that stuff at my house. Who has that at their Why house? Why would you have that if you don't have children? Jesus. Yeah. I um, hated babysitting when I was younger. I hated it. I know. I did it all the time. Um, so Christy trusts this girl. But then she becomes uneasy because she's out with Cameron in the stroller. Christy, the actual mother. And this lady comes up to her. She's like, oh, I go to church with Lacey. Are you watching her son? She's like, this is my son. She's like, oh, I, I could have sworn that was Cameron. She said, this is Cameron. But my he's my son, kid. Cameron. He's my Cameron. And she's like, oh, I, are you sure? I, I thought that was Lacey's son. And no, I'm like, pretty sure this nope, one came out mine. of my vagina. It's mine. So then she was like, okay, We're this done. is weird. So yeah. that friendship ended. Of course, Lacey Spears becomes pregnant in 2008. For real. For real. She was actually pregnant um, when she was 20 years old. The father is a man named Chris Hill, and he lived in her apartment complex. Poor Chris. He was just looking for some place to put it. Yeah. And he picks her. She says Chris didn't want anything to do with his son. You know, he he didn't want a son. He didn't want anything to do with it. So she raises him on her, her own. That's what she says. That's what she says. Chris says, um, Lacey wouldn't let him have anything to do with the son at all. He has another son by somebody else that he's in the life and does yeah. things with and supports. He, he Chris, said, does he know what a goddamn condom is? I, I know. Dude. I know. Wrap it up. So she's, so he's like, that's not what happened at all. She would not let me nail the baby. Um, she told everyone she knew in the world through social media and her Facebook oh, posts. Of course. Of course. That the father was a man named Blake that was a cop <laughs> that died in the line of duty. Um, Blake, what more, what book was she reading? Well, so she actually went out My with a cop named, yeah, she actually went out with a cop named Blake like three times and he, he's interviewed and he's like, yeah, I'm alive and well, I'm not dead. And I never had a baby. I went out with her three times or I met her three times yeah. and he's like, and we never slept together. Like they had. Smart man, Blake, yeah. smart man. He's like, man. she was weird. We never saw each other again. that name. Um, Did he have long flowing hair and no, huge he doesn't. pec muscles? Like, no. You know, no. He wasn't a pirate or a highlander? No. Okay. Um, so Lacey has a baby boy and she names him Garnet. Garnet. Yeah. Like the stone. Yes. Was he born in January? I don't know. Doesn't make um, 
So she's ra- she's raising him on her own. Oh, she's a hardworking mom. Yep. Um, and it was extra difficult because he had so many health oh, problems. Of course he did. When so did he get many the feeding health problems? Very soon after. Yeah. Um, he was in the hospitals more than he was home for the first nine weeks of his life. Oh, he had severe father. air infections, which is funny because some of the kids she babysat used to have severe air infections after she babysat them. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Um, was she spitting in the ear tubes? No, he, she would put something in it because there would be blood in the ears. Like, <gasps> I think she would poke them. Ouch! Um, oh, could you imagine? No. no. He oh, wouldn't eat. You disturbed me with that I know. so bad. I know. Um, he wouldn't eat, and he would projectile vomit. He was diagnosed with failure to thrive, but they couldn't figure out why. Why? Um, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't hold down food. They had no idea why. At nine weeks old, he went through a stomach surgery to prevent him from throwing up. Oh. Um, they sent him home after the surgery. He recovered in the hospital. He looked good. About a week later, he's back in the hospital because Lacey said he still wouldn't eat. He was really badly dehydrated. He mm-hmm. had had um, IV fluid and everything. Oh, this poor baby. Yeah, he was, and he was in bad shape. So they transferred him from Decatur General Hospital to. Decatur General Hospital to Birmingham Children's Hospital. His sodium level was 166 and should have been 140. Oof. Um, and that can kill you because you put too much salt in your body. It doesn't know what to do with it and it shuts down. Right. So high sodium levels are deadly because they can cause the brain to swell. They can cause seizures. Yeah, the brain swells. You herniate. You can die. Um, they got the levels down but couldn't understand how how this child's sodium levels high. was so high. Um Lacey brought him home once he was recovered. She brought him to a bunch of doctors. One tried to feed him the bottle Lacey provided because she was like, he's still not eating. Here's his bottle. You try. Right. Would not eat it. Um, then a nurse came in and tried to feed him. And she did get him to eat some of it. And she said, like, immediately after he drank it, he was completely lethargic. So there was something in the Oh, bottle. clearly. Clearly. Um, at nine months old, Lacey found a doctor that gave him a G-tube or a oh. feeding tube. Um, in 2010, they moved to Florida. Lacey babysat. She cleaned houses. She you know, did odds mm-hmm. and ends to make money. She also got assistance from the state. Um, she visited her old friend Shauna sometimes because it was a quick mm-hmm. ride. Um, Shauna said Garnet was a healthy baby boy. And Shauna's the one that she lived with like on and off. as That she school. watched the two kids. No, no. Shauna's the one right. that she watched her two sons. Okay. But All right. Shauna felt she was, like, getting a little too right. clingy. But she right. watched them for years. So she still talks to her, but she just backed off of her. Yep. Um, she said Garnet was a healthy baby boy. He ran around. He ate lunch with the other kids. He ate pizza. He had, like, a juice box. Mm-hmm. Ate, no problem. With this feeding tube. Yes, he's eating. But he has the G-tube in his stomach. Um, he didn't look sick. He didn't act sick. Nothing. Um, Lacey says he would eat sometimes. But then he would complain of stomach pain and not eat for extended periods mm-hmm. of time. Only when she was around, right? Right. So that's when she needed to use the G-tube to give him extra nutrition. Mm-hmm. Lacey and Garnet moved to New York when Garrett was starting preschool. If you notice, she's, she's bouncing, bouncing all, all over the place. Um, they moved to the fellowship community. Uh-oh. It's about an hour outside New York City. And it's a little community that you Cult. live there for free. Cult. You- yeah, you go to school for free. Cult. And you get all that for free because you take care cult. of the elderly <laughs> and you contribute to all aspects of the community. So and you all just of a sudden you're wearing out. one of those box dresses with yes. the big collars yeah. and you've got the big poof in the front of your hair and mm-hmm. it's really long mm-hmm. and everybody's Never sleeping with it. the same man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cult. Yeah. A woman named Valerie lived there. 
And she said um, they became very close. She became very close with Garnet. She said he was a happy, healthy boy. She always had like nuts and fruit out. And he always, I know, really. Um, <laughs> my mother did that in like the 70s. It was a big bowl of fruit and walnuts. Yeah. Like my, my Papa I Jim. she thought a five-year-old was going to be with Papa Jim, walnuts. There was always a bowl of walnuts. <laughs> and those other ones, the ones that are like the big, huge with the holes in them in the shell. Yes. But those were pecans. Brazil right. nuts, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember. But, but it they was like were a big thing of nuts. Big bowls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a nutcracker on the table. Yeah. Yep. Always a nutcracker. <laughs> um, like, really? What did you just sit down on? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and you're just cracking yes. nuts at the table. He ate them like, all the time. I don't know. We never ate them. He <laughs> cracking nuts at the table. Um, but she said she always had snacks and stuff. And she said he always ate them. Took snacks, ate them. There was no problem with him eating. Um, Lacey still said that Garnet had stomach issues and didn't take enough by mouth. She started seeing local doctors, um, a gastroenterologist she saw five times for several months in 2013, said Garnet was a healthy boy and he couldn't believe he still had the G-tube that he had had since he was nine months old. Um, he told Lacey every visit, he shouldn't have it anymore. Um, he says, you know, let's run like all these tests that are invasive Mm -hmm. to make sure like everything's functioning fine. And then we're going to get rid of this G tube. She says, yep, you can run all the tests, blah, blah, blah. All the tests come back fine. Um, and then he suggested just a simple nutritional evaluation to see where he's at Mm -hmm. nutritionally. She didn't say no, but she didn't say yes. And she would never go and get this done. Um, he moved his practice to another state and never saw Garnet again. Um, but he said he always had a feeling in the back of his head since the first visit. This is Munchausen by proxy. But he wasn't 100%. He didn't want to so investigate. So he felt like he couldn't report it because right. he's going to report somebody and maybe it's not that. And now I've gotten her in trouble or whatever. Um, in 2014, Garnet suddenly developed a fever, stomach ache, and headache. Lacey takes him into the hospital. They didn't know what was wrong but watched him. His fever went down and he got better and he goes home. A few days later, he was screaming, holding his head. He's in agony. Um, He was admitted um, to the hospital for seizure-like activity. They set up a video EEG. So an EEG is the monitor where you... Brainwaves. Monitors your brainwaves so you can see seizure activity. Mm -hmm. There's there's a problem in your brain. And they put a video camera in his room, his hospital room, to catch any activity on the video. Does Lacey know this? Lacey says, you can put a video camera in the room. That's fine. Um, you see them both. I, you have to watch the video of this. I may, how old is he at this point? He's like four or five, okay. five. No, I forget. I'm thinking of one with an infant. No, he's not an infant. He's like, a, yeah. he's a boy. Like right. He's in school. Um, so they're sitting in his bed and he's kind of like, you know, he has the head wrap on cause he has the EEG yeah. under it and she's sitting next to him and she, you know, it shows like a lot of the video and she gets up. He got up to the bathroom, I think, 17 times with her. The bathroom is not in the video. Right. She got him up 17 times, it said, though, to go to the bathroom. In two of those times, she brought G-tube accessories or feeding tube accessories and a cup. That's bizarre. Mm-hmm. He comes back from one of those visits and he doesn't feel well. They have to call the nurse. He's not feeling great. He comes back from the second visit. He's screaming. He's writhing in pain. You you can see him. He's like the rest, the whole other time he's sitting up in the bed. He looks like right. a completely healthy, normal boy. And then the last time he comes back, you, like his, he's 
got his bum up in the air and his face is down on the bed and he's like wiggling around like you can see like he's He's in distress um he's screaming writhing she's literally sitting next to him while he's doing this she's not touching him not comforting him nothing she's not trying to comfort i i would probably be up out of the bed being like where are you like i need somebody in here i'd be like terms of endearment my daughter's okay right like nothing she's not touching him nothing um so all of a sudden he stops breathing after he's <gasps> screaming, writhing. He stops breathing. They call a code blue. They resuscitate him. That they draw blood. They draw labs. Like obviously what the hell's going on with this kid? The tests show his sodium level was 138 when he was admitted, which is normal. Mm-hmm. 140 is the highest it should be. And was 182. Oh my God. After he coded, um, which is deadly. Right. You, right. It's, it's going to make your brain swell. Um, they transferred him to a more specialized hospital because he was so, in such mm-hmm. critical condition. Um, they have the audio of the nurse from the original hospital giving report to the doctor at the receiving hospital. And the nurse literally go, you know, she reports sodium is 182. And you hear the doctor go, 182. And she's, the nurse literally repeats 182. And the doctor said, no, then you need to repeat it. Okay. That is impossible. That's what he's saying in this report. Right. Like, there's no way that's a mistake. You have to run it again. Um, Garnet gets to the new hospital about two hours later. He's, you know, intubated. He is a mess on life support. They managed to bring down his sodium levels within a day. Um, she says they came in and said, oh, he's improving. He's getting better. I don't think anybody thought he was getting better. I think his sodium levels were down right. and they probably said the sodium is improving. Right. Um, but two days after being admitted, Garnet was pronounced brain dead. <gasps> yep. She killed him. She killed him. The hospital calls the police and asks them to investigate Garnet's case because his sodium could not have gotten that high unless someone gave him a shit ton of salt. They said there was Aww. no way for this to naturally have happened. It could not get this high. She killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a search warrant for Lacey's apartment. And on the table, when they walk in, they have pictures of it. You know, there's a few medicine bottles and herbs and supplements or whatever sitting directly behind a huge body bottle of salt. You know, the big, huge mm-hmm. ass bottles of salt. Did I like brine my turkey with? Yeah. Um, they say they see a bag of what they thought was breast milk because apparently Lacey told these investigators that she was still breastfeeding. Oh, come on. This child who couldn't eat. Who could have a, a big mac. Yeah. And was five and... Um, so they see this bag of what looks like breast milk hanging from an IV pole and another bag in the trash of the same sort. The cops don't take them. What? They're like, oh, it's our breast milk. Oh, they don't shitty take work. It. Shitty work. Um, so as Garnet is laying brain dead in the hospital, cause he's still attached. You know, right. He was right. pronounced, but he's still on the machines. Um, Poor Lacey thing. calls Valerie from the fellowship community. And asked her to go and get those bags out oh. of her apartment. Oh. Valerie says she was so distraught to hear that this you died. poor Garnet is brain dead. Um, that she's just like, yeah, okay, whatever you need. And she goes and gets the bags. But on the way there, a neighbor says to her, the police were here. And she's like, what? And she's like, there's something wrong. So she puts the bags from her house in like a trash bag. Puts it in her house. Puts it in her own right, house. Valerie, I don't care if you belong in a cult. I think I love you. Yeah. She did a good job. And she goes to like the community yeah. elders or whoever they were. It was like, there's something wrong. She asked me to get these bags. She went to the elders. Yeah. 
they um, had a peace pipe and thought about it. Yeah. And then um, they had sex with all the virgins in oh the cult. Okay. Um, so the el- the leaders call the cops and they give them the bags. So they did the right thing. Right. Um, Thank God when for they Valerie. Were, yeah. So they test these bags and the contents of, and they were full of salt. <gasps> they said each one had like, um, you know, the little salt packets. Yep. It would be 69 of those salt packets in each little bag of. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot and of he was salt. Little, I mean, he's a little kid. That's a lot of salt. Yeah. Um, I probably put that much in my French fries at McDonald's. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the only way I need them. Mm-hmm. Um, the cop said Lacey spent all her time talking to them. Now her son is again brain dead on machines. You know, he's coming off in a day mm-hmm. or two and yeah. he's going to be gone. And instead of sitting there, she's talking to them. She's bringing in people for them to talk to. She's trying to work the angle. Their case. She's working the angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and two days after Garnet is declared brain dead, he's removed from life support. Oh, baby boy. Um, Police gathered all of Garnet's medical records from all of the states which he was seen in. Which should have been done years ago. Right. When he was seen, when he was five weeks old, there was a note saying, maybe Munchausen's by proxy never acted on when he was five weeks old. Um, also, there were notes saying Lacey wanted to hurt him, that he had unexplained bleeding of the ears and eyes with no medical explanation. In the eyes. Yeah. And a high sodium level when he was 10 weeks old. Um, Spears also searched dangers of high sodium on her computer. You don't want to go through my searches. I know. <laughs> um, there were several investigations into her by DCF for Garnet's weight, his feeding, other issues, um, her many different stories. People were like, there's something wrong. They called DCF on her. Um, but no abuse was ever substan- substantiated. Oh um, Five months after Garnet died, Lacey was charged for murder and murder in the second degree and first degree manslaughter. She was found guilty of depraved indifference murder of a child. Depraved. Yeah. She was just depraved. And I love that she was sentenced to, tw- sentenced to 20 years to life. She should have gotten life. And you know what they should have done is hook her up to a sodium bag. I know. Let your and brain put swell and then take it down ears. and then yeah. swell and take it down. Do you know how much that must no, the pain in his kill head? Yeah. that poor little boy? And then I'm going to stick pins in her ears. Yeah. Yeah, what's the that's, hell, dude? That's Munchausen's by proxy. It's not pretty. And there's a like a psychologist. <laughs> there's a psychologist on this um, on this thing on CBS, and she's saying, you know, people don't report it because they're afraid of getting wrong. Well, I don't want to say they had this and there's something really wrong with this kid and now this parents in trouble. They said if if you think that and they investigate it and there's nothing wrong, nothing's happening with them. But they, if you were right, you, you might save this. Right. Even if he didn't, wasn't going to die from right. whatever it was, pain and suffering. You're saving these people from pain Because most and of them are going to be, they take it very extreme. Yeah. Oh, that poor yeah. child. I've never heard of that one. That mm. poor child. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And that's Munchausen's Lovely. by proxy. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So that being said, mm-hmm. if you liked it, mm-hmm. talk to us about it. Yeah. Right Send on. us a note. Mm-hmm. If you're putting pins in your kids ears let us know about it let us know um maybe we'll report you <laughs> and uh give us a little review we're still looking for some reviews remember if you put in a review or you write us a lovely little note or you tell us anything at all we'll send you a sticker yeah and we tell you some days these stickers are going to be valuable <laughs> very valuable you're going to want one mm-hmm. um so we will catch up with you in two weeks enjoy this lovely weather mm. and these days are getting longer i thank god so excited. i want 
to wear t-shirts and not be cold. I know. All right. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Enjoy. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.